Welcome to the Jolly Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Barrett. This podcast is for those who are interested in the conversation around equity, diversity, and inclusion. Each week, I'll be interviewing a guest who has something special to share or is actively part of building solutions in the space. Let's get started. Era's Education Consulting, LLC, doing business as Just Like a Mom, is owned and operated by Dr. Wakandra Stovall and was inspired by her three children. Dr. Stovall is the product of a single mother household and is most passionate about parental engagement and African-American families, as she believes it was her mother's dedication to her schooling that made the difference. While this ultimately led to the completion of her dissertation on Black other mothering as a framework for cultural brokering for African-American students and families in April of 2022, Dr. Stovall's research would lead her to a much more expansive lens of parental engagement and exclusivity of systemic structures that directly inhibit success in not only Black students, but minority students. Her research also considered the ability for other ethnic groups to provide a cultural connection with students of color, as well as the impact of minority professionals to have a positive impact on all students. Dr. Stovall is a former corporate trainer and a K-12 principal and also possesses a master's degree in learning technologies from Pepperdine University, a bachelor's degree in human development with a concentration in adult development and gerontology from California State University, East Bay, and an associate's degree in liberal studies from Contra Costa College. With a focus on African-American Black students, just like a mom places culturally responsive mother figures within schools to provide cultural brokering for underserved students and families with consideration to the pedagogy of Black teaching. Just Like a Mom utilizes three of the five pillars of other mothering, advocacy, relatedness, and care and concern, to be there for students just like a mom. When surveyed, this service was desired by 92% of Black parents and validated as a method of increasing connection with underserved populations by teachers. It is my pleasure to have Dr. Wakandra Stovall join the Jolly Podcast. I am so excited that you are joining me this week. Dr. Wakandra Stovall is an amazing, amazing woman, and I'm so excited that I finally get to actually speak to her not only about what she's doing in the world, but even her dissertation is just amazing. So, and I love bringing information to people on all these great people are doing in the world. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Super honored. Maybe you could just tell us a little bit about how you even got to where you are and how the road that you traveled to even be in this space. Yeah, I feel like I'm one of those people that have always been a mom, right? So even before I had children, I was the one 
before I even had a sibling. Like outside, my children were ladybugs and little roly polies that I'd bring into my mom. Um, I always enjoyed playing house. I was always the mom of playing house. My first job was working in a daycare before and after school. As I think I was 14 or 15, I would volunteer, which then eventually turned into me gaining employment in that capacity. And so I've always just really embraced this, I guess, the nurturer in me that God has just put in me some, maybe even from infancy, I don't know. But as far back as I can recall, this has been like the road that I've traveled. I didn't, despite like my love for children and even education, I never wanted to be a teacher. Like I have mad respect for teachers and principals, but I've wanted to be a support. So as a PTO mom, as I began having children, I would volunteer at my kid's school and support, you know, just as support for my kid to make my presence known on behalf of my children and to be that advocate for them and to just be engaged. And so some years had passed and we began worshiping at a congregation that had a school associated with it. Coincidentally, at that time, probably just God's God's design, no coincidence, right? But at that same time, I was contemplating if I would pursue a master's degree in healthcare administration because I had been working in healthcare and training and development for some time. And it just seemed like the next best move considering where I was placed or would I go after my heart's passion for education. And so I got accepted into Cal State East Bay's healthcare administration program. I declined the acceptance because I just wasn't sure. And then approximately, I also applied for a doctoral program in education at that time as well and rescinded my application because I was just so confused. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what. So some time had passed and I found myself worshiping at this congregation that also had a school associated with it. And I received an email from Sac State's Educational Leadership Program stating that, congratulations, Wakandra, you have been um, selected to be interviewed for our, our doctoral program. We'd love to have you. They set the date. And when stuff like that happens, I don't question it. So I just accepted the invitation. Later told my husband, I said, babe, you know, I was invited to interview for this program that I didn't apply for. Remember, I, I rescinded my application. Like a year or two prior, I rescinded the application. And he was just like, that's nothing but God, go and we'll figure it out. So I went, I, I can't recall if right before the interview or right after I informed the administrator that I hadn't applied. It was before. It was before because they said, well, Wakandra, you're right. You didn't apply, but you're already on the schedule. Just come. So we came. And in my interview, I talked about being a mom. I talked about being a PTO mom and like really just wanting to engage African-American students and having additional African-American parents to be advocates and involved and visible and all this stuff for students. And eventually that, I don't know, a couple of months later, it resulted in them accepting me into this program. So fast forward, I guess now, two years out, I, I was working as principal now at this school thinking that I could matriculate through the program and learn the job of a principal because that has that's not my background. I've been around principals, I've been around teachers, but I hadn't studied it. But I thought that I could learn it and and facilitate the role at the same time. And the the school board agreed and they hired me. Life. 
I thought that I would be at this school for the rest of my career. I thought that my children, who were also attending the school once I accepted employment there, would be there for the rest of their, you know, for the foreseeable future. I, I grew up in private school, attending private school from preschool through through 10th grade. And then my last two years were in a public high school. So I just, I'm like, God, it's just working it all out. Like my babies can go to private school. Hey, God. Three months in, the writing was on the wall, and it was very clear that I needed to leave the role. I, it was not for me long-term. And just to protect that institution, I won't go into details as to why, because God has a purpose for everything. But I will say that that experience really caused me to start looking at some of our systemic structures that have historically had a negative impact on African-American students and families. And so it was from that role that I was spring, I'll say it was a springboard into on July 2nd, 2019, I formed Ara's Education Consulting. Ara's Education Consulting has been doing business as just like a mom for the past year because people were like, what's Ara's? Like, is it ARA? Is it ARA's? Is it this? It's the initials of my children's names is where I came up with Ara's, and that has remained my official legal name with the state of California. Just like a mom was more applicable to the research around other mothering, it also enables people to kind of understand some idea of what it is that I'm doing by, by the way of my business name, and so thus the change was necessary. But that's, that's how I got here. I love it. I love it. Well, and, you know, I was actually, I really was excited that you actually posted your dissertation. Yeah. Because I know a lot of people I talk to about their dissertation, which is, I mean, it's such an amazing body of work. And then you can't find it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I love the fact that you posted it because I was like, and, and it's called, for everybody, Repairing the Fractures. Steps Forward in Building Bridges Across the Racial Divide. So that's not my dissertation topic. That or that was, so that was a journal article that oh, I okay. decided to, to submit with the International Journal of Psychological Studies with two of my... Nice. But that, so that's a journal entry. But my, my dissertation should be on my website. And the dissertation title was... Yes, it's for us. An examination of other mothering as a as a framework for cultural brokering for African American students and families. Yes. And you know, I love the fact that you are focused here not only on the fact that it's African American students, but that you also connect the dots to other BIPOC students as well. So kind of the other mothering as a cultural relation. So maybe I should take a step back. Let's talk about like, what is other mothering first? Uh, Yes, yes, yes. So other mothering is, it was critical to the pedagogy of Black teaching. And it actually spawned from a researcher by the name of Patricia Hill Collins. She talks about other mother work is what she talks about. And then Lynette Mawini, who is my Shiro in this field. And I actually got a chance to meet her at an academic conference in Chicago earlier this year. I had like straight, like fangirl vibes. (laughs) She then came up with this concept referred to as other mothering. And she, she, she defines it in five ways. So it consists of a a pedagogical commitment to students. So we're ensuring that 
Black students are learning. Second, sometimes there is a financial commitment. Like sometimes we have to give money or buy things for our students. Thirdly, we have to advocate for our students. Number four, care and concern, or it can also be summed up as like a physical like touch and hugging of our students, which of course in our system, it it's not designed for that. It's a very hands-offy, you know, tech students, maybe even well-natured, but anyway, care and concern. And then lastly, utilizing the ability to relate. So relatedness is the last component that sums up what other mothering them into their classrooms. And it has been utilized as a place of belonging for African-American students at school. My work has teased out that other mothering component and placed it in non-teachers, like non-Black teachers. So we have our own independent role that relies on this other mothering structure to collaborate with with the primarily white teaching population, since Black teachers only make up, you know, 7% of the teaching population nationwide. Let's pause for a moment. We'll be right back. I know in the article that you wrote, you also talked about how that can even relate to retention of teachers. And so, you know, just being able to relate to kids in a specific right. way right, and the benefits of that with, yeah. you know, the teaching population, which is pretty, pretty astute when you think about, you know, what people want to give. Because I think all teachers, the masters that they are, want to be a good teacher Right. But unfortunately, sometimes they don't always have the skill with different cultures. Correct. So so I love that. Now, you also talked about, I think, the kind of the black achievement gap and being able to kind of close that gap by using, you know, this other mothering. And I know just like a mom, you're providing like services to K through 12. Yeah, we serve as a partner. So like we hire, just like a mom hires site moms is the the role title. We place them, the sites that have collaborated with us, give us a room at their school site and it's devoted to the site mom. So the site mom has a space and students are able to to come in as they deem necessary. They get one-on-one support academically. They get emotional support. Some of them are getting rides from home to school. You know, if their mom, true story, got a job out of town, could no longer bring her kids to school on time. But because she had a relationship with the site mom, they worked out something for her to pick up her son for the rest of this past school year. We also, oh, wow. we keep snacks in our room in case they're hungry, if they want some water. We are their extended parent with, with you know, while their parent is away parent away. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, but I mean, how does how does that even work with the schools these days? I mean, the school has to want it. It's highly political. You know, there are times in school we talked a lot about, we had a professor, a policy professor who spoke a lot about the the policy when window opening and shutting. So case in point, after the murder of George Floyd, like there became all this funding. There's a huge opportunity available for organizations like mine that were seeking to specifically support African-American students. And you couple that with COVID and there was funding and principals were like, yeah, like I want this. I have this grant. I want that. And then slowly over the past three years, the policy window has 
has shut a bit and there's now all of a sudden there's no funding, yet we know that school districts spend funding money on things every day that don't work for students. But now it's it's almost as if people are getting tired of our Black Lives Mattering link to fund it in the way that they did uh, previously. So if a principal wants it, he or she will find the funding to support it is bottom line. Yeah, that's awesome. I know one of your posts, I think, said something like your slip is showing. Yeah. <laughs> I love that because I was like, I remember hearing that. I don't know if it was from my grandma or somebody. We know what you can do now and see it. Yeah. And now, now it's about what you want to do. Right. So that's awesome. So then in terms of like what happens if because uh, you say the school has to support it, but yeah. do the teachers also have to provide some support or what happens if they're not supportive or? Yeah. Like, how does that work? I mean, I it's really important to me to have teacher buy in. Uh, I There are always teachers that don't completely understand it. Frankly, there are often African-American teachers who are like other mothering and then they learn about it. It's like, well, I'm a black teacher, you know, so what are you? Why are you here? Well, there's still not enough of us, you know, and so there there's always a group of teachers, black, white or different that that don't necessarily understand it and don't support it. But I think if given the opportunity for them to actually partake in trainings about it, which we've done to combat this kind of illusion around us coming in and, and serving as like helicopter moms or trying to critique their work in the classroom, then that eases their discomfort that we are here to support students ultimately and to partner with teachers, not to take their roles or to undermine them as teachers. You know, we, we're here for our students. We, we don't have enough representation for us. Yeah. No, yeah. that's so true. So are there success stories that you can kind of highlight, I mean, I, you talked about being able to, you know, pick up kids and really kind of be that extended yeah. mom. But what is it like for the people that are now on campus as that site mom? And, you know, kind of what kind of benefits do they see out of it? I think this role is, it's hard. Like, it's good work. It's hard work, but it's it's really like emotionally draining because the role, I mean, it's, if you can imagine you're a mom, you know, you see your kids. I have a a five-year-old and everything could be fine, just fine. But if I walk through the door, then she's screaming bloody murder. You know, she's like, oh my goodness, crying. I miss you. Like this is hurting. That's hurting. And, and that has been sometimes our experience at school where you you approach a playground and you see your kids playing and then once they spot you the world is ending and so it's it's a joy as joyful as it is to be there it, it's also it can also be taxing we also have to be very clear about how we're not we're not psychologists you know we are we're sight other moms we're like we offer navigational support you know to be able to direct families and students to where they need to be and to be that that face and that warm space for students, but some of the work becomes out of scope or sometimes things are shared with us and we have to report it because we're mandated reporters. And then we risk losing the trust that the student thought she or he had with us, but because now they're in danger, we have reported, which severs, and it has, it has severed some of the relationships, which is hard. 
I think the sweet moments are like Valentine's Day and Mother's Day when when site moms are getting cards and they're not they're they don't have any children at all. Yeah. But kids view them as their mom, you know, their support. That's awesome. Yeah. It's you know, you said it was it's heart work. And I know when I was talking to one of my one of my friends, she worked in DEI for a long time and she talks about the head, the heart, and the hands all the time because, you know, the work requires all three. And you, you know, there are people that do one, all three. There's, you know, combinations of them. Right. But there's so much work to do. Right. But you have to make sure that you're embracing all of that. Right. So it's pretty awesome that you guys are able to do this and and where is your geography? So I reside in Fairfield, California, and the the students and the schools that we partner with are in Sacramento, California presently. Of course, I'm always looking to expand and looking at other cities, but presently it's it has been Sacramento since 20 since late 2019 going to next year. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah, this is awesome. I think, you know, and it's so funny because I know in my area, I live in San Joaquin County. We have a lot of interest now in, you know, creating Black parent collectives so that there is an ability at least to make sure that there is a focus on students and making sure that they're getting what they need. Right. And so we're seeing that trend where, you know, they're in different schools, they're creating these Black parent collectives so that there is a voice. Yeah. But, you know, it's hard for parents that are working Right. To do all of that work. And it feels like in some cases it becomes all on us. But, you know, there is a need for us to participate in a lot of ways. Yeah. It makes me think of like even just in the research about other mothering and just black teachers and burnout and to represent black folks, black teachers, black authority figures at school, people then start to depend on you to provide like all of the diversity, equity, and inclusion training, all of the conversations around around race and all of the conversations around when something happens in our communities, you know, can you speak on it? At a certain point, like we're, we become traumatized because like the acts are conducted towards us, but then we have to also out how to guide you through helping us when we, we've been victimized. Like it gets to be, it, it just gets to be too much at times it's, it's good work, but then it's needed. Like, I'm not trying to leave them either. I'm not going <laughs> anywhere, but I have to push back and say, like, look, no, I, I'm i not a trained, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion trainer. My specialty is other mothering. Like, that's it. But I can get you one just because I'm Black. Doesn't mean I know things all Black. <laughs> all right. Everybody thinks we know. Everybody knows each other, right? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it's it's funny, though, because I had that similar experience when I was working in a corporate job after George Floyd. There was a lot of focus like, OK, we want to listen. What's your experience? And there was this shock and awe like your life is so different than ours. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> We're trying to tell you this. You're right. It's like hasn't been hidden. So we felt that and it was such a burden And I mean, it continues to be, you know, you talked about being traumatized. It's like this constant traumatization. 
right? Like it's, it doesn't end, you know, it's like generational trauma, right? That kind of keeps going. So we're it's like trying to move this needle. It takes so much work and so much effort. So I'm so grateful for all the things that you're doing in the world. Thank you. So what else, how can, the, how can people find you? Like, what do you, you know, like, are there things that you want to talk about that in terms of what you'd like to provide? Yeah. Or what you can provide so that people can reach out to you if they're in other areas looking for expansion? Yeah, I'm new to Instagram, but that's where I have a tendency of posting more consistently. I, I think people can learn more about like my personality there versus just the business content, which is posted on LinkedIn and Facebook at least once a week. Folks can reach out to me by email at wakandra at just like a mom.com. There are, I think there might be interest in people who may not necessarily want to hire just like a mom for service and have a have a person at their school site. But I did just finish writing a children's book entitled My School Moms. And I'm working on like a, a teacher handout to where they could use the handout to, to as a guide, you know, as to how to utilize the children's book. And it's really just a lighthearted way of instructing teachers to, or providing them with methods of, of engaging their African-American students and really calendars my own experience with other mothering as a preschooler through really my first college degree. So that might be another way that folks may find like a quick way to access yeah. tools. And it's also available on Amazon as well. I love it. And the name of the book again? My School Moms. My School Mom by Dr. Wakandra Stovall. On Amazon. Everybody buy it. And I think, you know, what's interesting is there's a lot of school districts and schools that are now putting, you know, DEI, equity advisors, whatever they're calling them into place to make sure that everybody has access to information. And I love the fact that you are such a complement in so many ways to the educational system because, you know, it needs a lot of help. Especially in the public schools, you know, private school is different, but public schools need a lot of help. So I think it's awesome what you're doing. Thank you. Thanks for joining me on the Jolly Podcast. Please subscribe so you won't miss an episode. See you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.